0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Sean Ned's Do Baseball. I'm Sean, and I'm Ed's, and we're doing baseball. We are bringing you some baseball history. We are a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the storyteller researches a story and the person receiving the story has no idea what they're about to hear. They have no idea. And that lucky person this week is me. Again. Again, yes. Back, back to back. back. We haven't gone back to back for a while. No, we haven't. We've been pretty uh, scheduled with this pretty good. And, yeah, but uh, I moved, so I've been busy. You've been busy. Yes. So Sorry, we forgive guys. you <laughs> yes, for but not But I will do story. better. In two weeks, you'll be listening to Edward's sweet, sweet voice. Yes, mm-hmm. tell you a story. Yeah. But today, I have a tale for you guys, and it's a little bit of a short one. We'll not. We'll see how long this ends up being. Uh, before we get into it, follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and follow us on Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. Uh, you know. Just give us a like give us a follow give us uh give us a, a review that's huge for us um but besides that uh, we just appreciate you listening and yeah, thanks let, very much let me tell you this is a a honestly we we it wasn't really a scramble because we had we had some time but we were we were talking about what what story was coming next mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. basically we had to find one that was easier to research let's just put it that yeah, way yeah yeah. But it's some time constraints. I did spend my entire Saturday uh, before the Blue Jays game. Okay, Uh, you've been hyping this up. It is. It is. I'm looking forward to it. It is legendary. 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 Those are big words. Those are big shoes to fill, Sean. No, no, no. Because it's literally a legend. I honestly, some of our listeners might. What does that mean? It's not real. No, no. I'll I'll explain. I'll explain. It's all written down. Um, But some of our listeners here on this card, some of our listeners may already know this story. Uh, And if you're listening for the first part of this story and saying, "What the fuck does this have to do with baseball?" (laughs) Just wait. Okay. (laughs) Just it like gets into it in season two, is what you're saying. Oh, you'll see. Okay, you'll see. I'm gonna stop trying to make metaphors for your story. Just let you tell it. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Ruth Bancroft Law. Ruth Bancroft Law. Ever heard of Ruth Bancroft Law? No. So you're not an aviation history fanatic. I know. Oh. Trains maybe. <laughs> <laughs> not into trains <laughs> fuck you alright so Ruth B- I don't know that <laughs> alright fine maybe you're into trains yeah maybe I am okay. who's to know alright next episode's on trains uh, well you did do one El Delahanty fell off a train that's what I'm saying alright all, right. <laughs> all yeah. the sides were there folks yeah. <laughs> his Thomas the Tank Engine shirt <laughs> okay <laughs> so Ruth Bancroft Law was born May 21st 1887 Okay. She was born to Sarah Bancroft Breed and Frederick Henry Law in Lynn, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. She had an older brother, Rodman Law. Rodman Law. Which, yeah, honestly, right? Sweet name. Exactly. <laughs> Rodman Law. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> Rodman was like... Is that what all Rods stand? No, I guess it's Rodney most of the time. Yeah, I guess. So so Rodman was uh, born a couple years earlier uh, than Ruth. Uh, so two years older than her, two and a half. Uh, Ruth looked up to her older brother and did exactly what Rodman did. She tried her best to keep up with him physically and copied his every move. She challenged herself uh, to keep up with him and his friends, something that was definitely out of character for a young lady at the time, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about the 1890s probably at this point. So when Rodman parachuted off the beacon of the Statue of Liberty... Parachuted uh, off the beacon of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, so Rodman parachutes off the beacon of the Statue of Liberty in 1912. Wow, and let me tell you, parachutes seems were sketchy. not reliable at <laughs> this time. That's probably sketchy now. No, well, well, it is sketchy now, but think about it in 1912. I am, right? and that's so parachutists at the time, right? They're exhibitionists, but at the same point, parachuting is not a complete science at right, this point. Right. They're testing it yeah, out. Yeah, like, did they have like paratroopers in like no, no, not absolutely. World War One. No. No, 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 no. I mean, the idea of paratroopers came like towards the end of World. World War I, and it was kind of used eventually, but it really wasn't adopted until World War II, and actually, I'm not going to get into the no. parachute history of World no. War II, but anyways, uh, so Rodman uh, parachuted cool off the beacon of the Statue of Liberty in 1912. Impressive. Yes, impressive, and he survived. He was fine. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. It was interesting, because I wanted to like shock you and be like, so when he jumped off of there, and I'm like, well, that's just kind of a little bit, but at the same point, I'm just like, yeah, parachuted off, that's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's all you need. You need to leave it open-ended. There you go. Uh, I was gonna, you know, I would have filled you in. But anyway, so Ruth decided she needed to do something similar. Of course, she did. So just like it's her tight brother, rope. tightrope. Just like her brother, Ruth decided to tempt fate and be a trailblazer in a new field that was both exciting and deadly. Ruth Law became a pilot. Okay. 1912. That's yeah. 1912. Okay, deadly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So the whole it's only been dis- around for like nine years at this point. Yeah, the whole family seemed very bright, but drawn to danger and adventure, mm-hmm. willing to test the limits of the human body and put their lives on the line testing new technology. Perfect example. <laughs> exactly. I can see why she'd be drawn to it. Exactly. So uh, an example of this: 1907. Ruth had married Charles A. Oliver. Guess what he did? Uh, I don't know. Made a car, uh, mm, kinda. He raced I know motorcycles. Ford, but, oh, okay. So of once again, right. racing motorcycles mm-hmm, in nineteen mm-hmm. odd whatever. Um, that is uh, so. Yeah, that'd be new stuff too. So her brother's like- a parachutist. Her husband's a motorcycle racer. Like, all of these are new technologies. Cutting-edge family. Exactly. So he, of course, was on board uh, with the idea of her becoming a pilot. Mm -hmm. And by the sounds of it, him and Ruth were both excellent mechanics and engineers. So, Mm -hmm. right, like, the whole, like, it's one thing to be, like, a mechanic and, like, a good pilot at this time, but you essentially are like making your airplane like you're you're, there's there's models out there and stuff like that but you're modifying it you're like Mm -hmm. making sure can't imagine like the aptitude that like that kind of thing wouldn't that sort of endeavor would acquire at that time yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. millionaire joe schmo nowadays can just buy an airplane yeah like it's it's ridiculous so Ruth sought out and was trained by Harry Atwood, an arch-freeman, at Burgess Flying School after aviator Orville Wright refused to train her uh, because he believed that women were not mechanically inclined. Oh. Well, screw Orville. Yeah, exactly. We get to that. Don't worry. What did the other Wright brother think? I don't know. Uh, It's not written down. Uh, Anyway, so... Ruth was obviously, uh, she was determined to prove him wrong. Uh, so she made her first flight on July 5th, 1912, which is absolutely wild and terrifying considering that this was just four days after she witnessed Harriet Quimby, the first woman licensed to fly in the United States, fall to her death at the Boston air meet. Oh my God. (laughs) So So she like sees that and is like, well... I'm going to go up myself anyway. Well, yeah, she's like, well, See not to, no turning me. back. Yeah. Um so I set out to do this. Yeah. So she uh, yeah, so this woman falls to her death. I didn't get read too into the details of it, but I almost I did. Imagine it's pretty gruesome. If I had more time, you'd be hearing all about it. <laughs> uh, undeterred, Ruth pushed forward with her training and was flying solo by mid-August. She received her pilot's license in November of 1912. And she bought her first plane. Nice. Guess who she bought it from? Uh, I have no idea. The Wright brothers? Orville Wright? Oh, he's turned. He's turned to the other cheek. No, she was like, "Fuck you! I got my license. Give me a plane." And he? Oh, I guess he. I just guess he was money. obligated to sell it to her. Why would he be obligated? I don't know, because he likes, likes money. money. Yeah, yeah okay. there you go. Yeah. Um. So I I saw that as a big fuck you to him. Right. I I it wasn't like ever like being like I'm going to buy my plane specifically yeah, from Orville. Cuz he was like women aren't mechanically inclined and she was just like guess what? Well I what? did it. I did it. Here's my license. Right. Here's whatever 50 bucks. (laughs) Whatever a plane cost in 1912. Um, So Ruth was an absolute trailblazer at her time, uh, in her time. Uh, She used Orville Wright's dismissal of her and her gender as poster board material, saying, the surest way to make me do a thing is to tell me I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah. So... Uh, It's a good motivating factor for a lot of people, I think. Yep. So we already talked about the first woman to get her pilot's license. Ruth was the third woman to get her pilot's license. The third one? I don't know who I was second. Like, honestly, look it up, people. You should know about (laughs) these aviatrixes. So by 1915, uh, she was given the old double bird to Orville Wright by not just being a pilot, but setting records, that and was pretty much like more daring than most male pilots she was the <laughs> first woman to fly at night uh, and she did flying exhibitions and stunts, like, all across mm-hmm. the United States. That would be sketchy back then. Flying yeah. at night? Yes. Well, exactly. And there's, like, not that many lights in the cities. Yeah, and, like, cities aren't that big. To, like, there's like... no lights on yeah, the plane. Exactly. It's terrifying to fly at night. It's yeah. absolutely... Like, the moon would have to be out. And, like, you're like, oh, yeah. the moon's gone. Maybe I'm going to fly into a tree. Maybe it's <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, she was first... woman we to do yeah. night. Yeah and was flying exhibitions so in Daytona Beach Florida the audience was amazed as she pulled off not one but two loops loop de loops loop de loops oh shit uh, Uh, so her terrified husband Charles looked on. He was terrified. Oh, he was definitely. I guess so. He was like, well, I I just wanted her to fly the plane. I didn't think she was going to do barrel rolls and loop-de-loops. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, well, we get, like, honestly, dude, this is a finisher, but like, (laughs) like Charles is uh, supportive at first, but now he's a little bit terrified. Okay. Um, uh, This was the first time a woman had ever performed the Mm -hmm. loop-de-loop, so it's First thing, uh, she would. I glade. imagine there like weren't too many people at all at that all. performed the loop. Yeah, there was probably like two or three men before her, and yeah. she was just. So that's what I mean. She was an absolute trailblazer in her field. She's a stunt pilot, Badass. a stunt man. Like, and her brother, who's the parachutist. I don't know why I'm mm. digressing. But he he did, like, stuntmen for, like, Hollywood movies and stuff yeah. like that. And he died early, but, like, because of, like, typhus or some shit, not because of Not because of his stunts. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so Ruth got paid a lot of money to fly for crowds. Uh, she did 16 loop loops at the Birmingham, Alabama uh, airfield one time for a crowd. In a row. Yeah. Like, just, like, woo! Like, just wild. she dizzy. <laughs> so, <laughs> not only was Ruth getting paid uh, to fly for crowds... But she was also making money doing publicity stunts. In Daytona Beach, uh, Florida, a golf course hired her to drop balls from her plane onto the golf course to generate interest in the sport. That which, seems dangerous and as it, also, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> They're like, well, golf, you should get into golf. There's this woman dropping golf balls from an airplane today. Was she dropping them on a golf course I'm or just like in general? Maybe they, she was like trying to get it close to the hole. Okay. Maybe like but it didn't did, really I don't know, like would they have told anybody about that? Cuz well, like... it sounded like it was a promotion. Okay. So that's what I'm saying is is not only is she doing like exhibitions and stunts, but she's also like doing promotions. Uh, right. for, you know, private companies and stuff okay, so like that. so they're probably just not, like, randomly, like, bombing a golf course no, with no, participating no. <laughs> players with golf no, balls. All, That's no. what I was picturing. <laughs> just she's guy. like, <laughs> fire in the hole. And just, just, like, you golf know, 10,000 golf balls raining down on people just minding their business on the ninth green. <laughs> <laughs> no, at this point like the planes like weren't like some of them weren't even like encased, right? Like the people oh, were yeah, like, that's literally true. It just, would just like be like a frame with yeah, on it. Yeah. So that's the that's you have to take that but yeah, it's absolutely wild. Um, so, um, where was I? So as she does this, yeah, well, but at the same point, are you wondering when we get into baseball? I am, like, we're like 13 or 14 minutes (laughs) in We're probably the longest into an episode before we've got to baseball. Yeah. So while she flew overhead dropping golf balls, somebody took notice. Hmm, A baseball man. A baseball man. One of the baseball men, indeed. Okay. But- 1912 still? At this time, he was but 24 years old. He okay. was a Brooklyn Dodger right fielder by the name of Casey Stangle. Oh, old Casey. Yeah. So, at the same time, as Ruth's aviation feats had been taking place in Daytona Beach, the Brooklyn Dodgers were conducting spring training nearby. Right. Dodger the, town. The Dodgers were kind of like they were at a low point in their... In their history Yeah uh, They've so had a few But They've had a this few This is a low one This yeah. is a real low so one So they, they hadn't finished uh, Higher than fifth Since 1902 Okay so That's over a decade Okay That's a long enough not time. being good Yeah um, They were uh, On the brink of entering A new And better era And in fact They'd win the pennant 18 months from now Okay But the Dodgers And their fans Didn't know that At the time of course No How could they so Stangle, and the Dodgers came up with a plan to generate some publicity and have some fun. It sounded like the brass thought it would be a good idea mm-hmm. to, you know, Drum raise up, some, yeah, yeah. Uh, some morale, morale around the team or yeah. whatever. I, I got a crush on this lady that flies a plane. She could do something yeah, with yeah, this exactly. Team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you think they did? Uh, just based on history, <laughs> I'm going to go with the fact that they... Uh, Flew the plane over and dropped a bunch of baseballs well, into, the, yes, into the park. You, 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 oh, she you threw face- out the first pitch from a plane. <laughs> yeah. Which would be awesome. That would be amazing. But uh, remember, aviation's new, so just to see a plane at this time is something True. you would okay. never see. Right. right. Um, she was just going to drop one baseball to a player waiting below, mm-hmm. ready to make the catch. Amazing. Yeah. I would like to see that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's Frankie, a good point. Be, frankly. That frankly, that would frankly, be a my helicopter fucking impressive the as first rock. pitch. Yeah. <laughs> that would be sick. Like, how are you going to time <laughs> flying a plane over the park and dropping it perfectly to a player? Well, at this time, planes were probably going like a hundred or <laughs> two hundred kilometers an hour. Not, yeah, exactly. Not even. I don't know aviation I don't know history. What you're <laughs> talking. I just sounded like I do because I told you all about Ruth Law. Yeah. So, anyways. um... <laughs> So they generate that idea to do publicity. She's going to send it. So Stengel, apparently, like, Stengel was like, we'll go, like, he went out and found Ruth mm-hmm. uh, and asked her to do the stunt. So the only issue was no Dodger player would dare step forward and volunteer to make the catch. Right? So yeah, I have, that's sketchy, man. Yeah, that's very sketchy. First of all, here's, here's my thinking. I'm putting myself into somebody's shoes in 1915. Okay. Right? Okay. I'm like... I have never seen an airplane before in my life. And someone's Mm -hmm. like, they're going to throw a ball at you from an airplane. And I'm like, that's fucked up. What does that even mean? Second, you're telling me I need to be in front of this large crowd that is also here to see this flying machine. Mm -hmm. And it's on me to like make the catch. Mm -hmm. Big pressure. Yeah. And you have no rights. You belong to the organization. That's right. Right? That's right. You're a chattel. Or they were hoping... <laughs> they were hoping that somebody specific would step forward. Anyways. I bet somebody did. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, it's also weird that Stangle just didn't do it. Yeah. He was, I was <laughs> thinking that. Exactly. And once again, I think you might understand why, but we don't have any definitive. Definitive. But, anyways, Wilbert Robertson. He's had to have been mentioned on this podcast before at some point, maybe, at least his teams. I was going to say, yeah, maybe his team or or something. If he he, was like a bridegroom or something at some point. He was finally persuaded to step up. So Wilbert Robertson was Brooklyn's 52-year-old manager. Uh, He was in his second year managing the Dodgers and by all accounts was one of the nicest uh, men of the era, sometimes referred to as Uncle Robbie. He also had a few feud with John McGraw uh, that started the Dodgers. Who, and who did John McGraw Giants not have a feud exactly, with? Exactly. John McGraw was just like a crusty dude that was like, I don't like anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's my rival. <laughs> So, everybody loves this Robinson guy, as you see. So, Robinson saw the stunt as a way to build team camaraderie and show his players he was still a skilled catcher. So, he was a catcher. Robinson, which is just also... Remember we were describing... It seems like such a weird thing to do. Why? Like, why? He was a catcher back in his day. And remember, me and we were describing a friend to you earlier that we loosely described as Penguin from Batman. Mm -hmm, If he was... So, Robinson was a beefy 5 foot 8 and an estimated 215 pounds. That sounds like the Penguin. Yeah, so he's pretty (laughs) boxy Um, and he had been a skilled catcher in his 17 year career and had already made a huge mark on baseball history. Mm -hmm. He had been a key part of the Baltimore Orioles team that had dominated the National League in the mid 1890s and he held the record for hits in a game uh, being the only player to go seven for seven at the time. Mm, nice. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be like, it should be mentioned too, like it's an era where the catcher is like, Very I mean, the catcher important. is like important now, but like, Very you important. know, extremely important there. he's like basically as important as your best pitcher. Well, and you lead right into it. He revolutionized the catching position. He was the first catcher to play directly behind the batter at all times. What do you mean? Where else would they play? They would play a little bit further back before there was two oh, strikes. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the catcher would stand back a little bit. Once they got to two strikes, they'd try to, you know, strike him out. And mm-hmm. uh, so he'd step up. But he just was just like, fuck it. I'm just He's just going to be here. squat here yeah, the whole time. Exactly. So he was the first player to do that. Once again, this happened in the 1890s. Mm-hmm. Uh as, yeah, previous practice was to play further back when there were fewer than two strikes. Robinson had a warm heart and balls of steel and was all set to become the first person ever to catch a baseball dropped over 500 feet from a plate. 500 feet? Yep. That Man. Was the, that was the plan. That's so dangerous. Well... What maybe it is, we'll find out. So the stunt was no, set. No, I think it is. <laughs> the, stunt, <laughs> the stunt was set for March thirteenth, nineteen fifteen. On on that morning, what or, day? March thirteenth, nineteen fifteen. That's early. Yeah, it's spring training. Oh, spring training, right? Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's spring training. They're in Daytona Beach. Uh right. So on that on that morning, which is awesome, because I didn't. I I wrote boring. <laughs> it's not boring. No. On that morning, Ruth got in her plane and headed towards Dodger spring training site, and the crowd that had formed to spectate. So it's morning. I'm sure they're probably playing a game after this in the afternoon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she takes it off. Uh, Law made her approach. She leveled off her plane at 500 feet as she drew closer to the field. Robinson waited below with his trusty catcher's mitt. And a suit of armor. (laughs) Robinson had made several wages with his friends and players about whether he'd be able to make the catch. (laughs) He's got a pool. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, He he definitely wanted to prove that even in his 50s, he wanted to have the best hands in baseball. Yeah, he probably also just wanted money, and now I see his motivation. He's like, I'll do this. I'll make a bunch of bets with everybody. (laughs) I could catch it. I know I could. And this is yeah he he's he so he was his first year was in 1914 it didn't go well. Um, mm-hmm. and so this is spring training of his second year. He's trying to galvanize this team. He's trying to bring everybody together. He'd had one brief managerial experience with the Orioles back in the early 1900s but nothing really came he didn't of it. Pan out. So honestly like this might be his last shot so he's just like, "Oh, okay." All right. Okay. So, so La dropped the ball and Robinson confidently got into position underneath the ball. Robinson was about to catch the highest metaphorical pop-up in the history of mankind. But Robinson missed it. Oh, no. But it didn't miss him. Oh, no. (laughs) It ricocheted off his glove and hit Robinson directly in the chest, exploding on impact and knocking Robinson to the ground. Oh my god, what exploded him? Robinson's mind, in Robinson's mind, he was seriously wounded and most likely dying. His eyes were wet and they were burning. All he could see is red. He grasped his chest and was covered in a liquid, pulpy mash. He was sure it was his chest that had exploded. He tried to hold in what he thought was his innards. Help me, lads help me I'm covered (laughs) in my own blood I'm bleeding to death I'm dying it's not it's not his blood though the way you're telling this it's not his blood what is it what is it so he cried out the crowd looked stunned and the players rushed to his side in reality he was a mess (laughs) but physically fine once his team had gotten to his side they began to laugh hysterically when they realized that he was alright Robinson, as good-natured as he was, uh, actually joined in when he realized the joke was on him, and you know (laughs) that he wasn't bleeding to death. (laughs) Yes, holy fuck! Because it was not a baseball that had hit Robinson, but a grapefruit. A grapefruit. He was covered in pulp and the acidic juice had sprayed him (laughs) in the eyes. Why did Ruth Lott throw a grapefruit, do you say? I I do say that. I mean, honestly, but like, first of all, He's fine. Okay, that's like, great. It hit his glove. I'm still <laughs> amazed that he's fine after <laughs> getting hit with a fucking grape thrown from a 500 feet from a plane, <laughs> <laughs> and it just like like I think like, like from, his thumb's not broken. Like I have read enough accounts, and trust me, there's lots of this on the internet. It, it's a it's a fairly easily researchable story, but there that's where the legend comes in. Is there is like so oh, so like okay. some people like you know say it hit his glove and exploded. It sounds to me like it ripped. Ricocheted off his glove, and in, in like so, like douche, you know, like mm. off the the bottom of the glove, right? And that, and then hit him in the chest, and exploded, and it went all in his eyes, and he was <laughs> just like fu- feeling pulp all over him, thinking that like, like <laughs> once again, planes are brand new yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> so why did Ruth Law throw a grapefruit? This is where we get into the legend stuff because multiple people say different things. The official story. Per se, from her, from her, okay, uh, and kind of like over the it's years like that the has been embraced, yeah, embraced by the baby, story. Is that she had forgotten the ball in her hotel room and did not discover this until she was airborne. But she brought a grapefruit. <laughs> Unsure of what to do, Ruth did what anyone would do. She pulled out her lunch. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, apparently yeah so this doesn't quite make sense so so she pulled out her lunch and was like oh i got a grapefruit whatever i'll throw the grapefruit mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. as she flew i i i, I try to get like quirky here and, and talk about uh, hundred years before thousands of college kids will annually descend upon this place and make poor decisions mm-hmm. uh that ruth was flying above being like grapefruit baseball same thing yeah <laughs> same thing um so this part of the story is disputed. Some say she forgot the baseball, while other sources say the Dodgers never gave her a baseball in the first place. <laughs> <What? laughs> Others, other stories and other accounts uh, say that the ground crew suggested the baseball right before she or er, suggested the grapefruit right before she took off because mm-hmm. she forgot or wasn't right. given this baseball. But they didn't have an extra baseball they could give her. Well, but she's flying from an airfield. Oh, okay. It's right, not like right. she's taking off mean, from, like <laughs> the fucking. baseball, well, the Dodgers. The Dodgers Definitely have Brown's an extra like Casey Stengel's like hey so but that's that's where things <laughs> get fishy right if you're a detective and you want to really like well why was she mm, why is Man. there so doesn't many, really add up doesn't really add up Others even claim, and I definitely believe that it was a planned as a joke by law and most likely conspired by the Dodger players and Casey Stangle. Mm-hmm. So Casey Stangle was known to be a trickster. Well so. why didn't he volunteer to do it? It, That's was, his true. That's it true. was his idea. It was his idea. I know what I'll do. Exactly. I'll get and the I coach hit get with The a old grape. manager. <laughs> I'll make the manager think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It went horribly yeah. wrong. Imagine it was a baseball; <laughs> <laughs> he would be dead. No, he would have just had a bruise. Anyway, so cons- five hundred feet. Okay, but here's this is where the legend stuff comes in, right? So, so in multiple accounts, like in one, I read that that a Dodger player was on the plane. Actually, not a Dodger player, but in fact, Fred Kelly, the trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, another account saying Stangle was in the plane, and then, but. Ruth Law claims, she's like, no, I was alone. So it's like, there's so many, there's so many different... There's so many conflicting accounts. Yes. So, (laughs) um, yeah. Weird. Considering someone from the Dodgers was probably in the plane because most accounts... Have somebody from the Dodgers in the plane with okay, her, okay. and even I believe some of her accounts do as well. But then she said something She's in the 50s. Changes 50, back yeah. and forth, exactly. And uh, so <laughs> later, uh, Stangle would recant his role in the tale, saying it was trainer Fred Kelly. Uh, and this just, basically they were just like, yeah, you they went really fingers, yeah, pointing at each fingers each other. At, it was probably both of them. Um, and to make things more confusing, law claimed that, and one occasion that she was alone on the plane, I already said that. Mm-hmm. So regardless, Robinson was nice enough to laugh along with everybody else. Yeah. Um, Robinson was a bit bitter that he didn't make the catch, claiming (laughs) I'd have caught the ball if there hadn't been a cloudburst just when I got my hands on it. Ah, there was a cloudburst, yeah. Exactly. so of it, course it definitely hit his glove because right. he's saying he got his hands on it yeah, yeah but like remember this is falling from 500 feet like this yeah that'd be hard to track Very and the tra- yeah the trajectory is amazing um <laughs> just anyway so he's making up weird excuses <laughs> Why <he didn't laughs> why't he just grapefruit? be like it, it was a ball dropped from a plane and it wasn't even <laughs> a baseball Do you a, guys know what a plane is yeah <laughs> I've seen one (laughs) Give me a dollar (laughs) Um, So the Dodgers did galvanize And the franchise turned around Under Robinson They finished third in 1915 And in 1916 Robinson led them to their first pennant Since the turn of the century, 1900 Mm -hmm. Uh, The incident stuck with Robinson For the rest of his life Earning him the moniker grapefruit (laughs) Mm, Grapefruit Robinson He would refer to planes later on uh, Referring to them as uh, fruit flies Oh my god Yeah, that's amazing. Really, yeah, that's what I mean. He's a joker. He's a a dad joker. I like that. Uh, So he would be manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers for seventeen years, from nineteen fourteen to nineteen thirty one, managing two thousand seven hundred and sixteen games and winning more than he lost.
1: Hmm. Uh, Robinson did have
0: a positive. He did. Yeah, that's and this was basically like one season into his beginning of it. Yeah. So Robinson died in nineteen thirty four at the age of seventy one. But we have to finish up the story of of Ruth. Ruth. Yeah. So Ruth Law went on to set three records on a flight from Chicago to New York. And in 1917, she was the first woman authorized to wear a military uniform. Hmm. Good for her. Yep. She was denied permission, though, to fly in combat. And she fought that. She fought that. For like a lot of her life, yeah, and uh, well, not even a lot of her life, but uh, a lot of her flying, the rest of her flying career, which yeah. as you're gonna find out, is not all that long. So she campaigned unsuccessfully for women to fly military aircrafts, uh, and even writing an article entitled "Let Women Fly" in the magazine Air Travel, where she argued that the success in aviation should prove a woman's f- or her success in aviation should prove a woman's fitness for the work in the field Mm -hmm, of course as it should yeah yeah, exactly she did 16 loop-de-loops she did (laughs) and she was she flew at night yeah (laughs) yeah. with no lights yeah and nothing else had lights (laughs) Mm -hmm. well some stuff had lights very few things had lights Uh, very few things so in uh, 1919 she got into a dick measuring contest with female French aviatrix Raymond Delaroche uh, La Roche set a woman's altitude record of nearly thirteen thousand feet on June seventh, nineteen nineteen. Then Ruth Law broke her record on June tenth, nineteen nineteen. flying fourteen thousand seven hundred feet. Roche then broke hers yeah, on June twelfth. Yeah, wow. So they're like, going like right back. So they're going they? back and forth on the altitude Within a couple records. Yep. Yeah, uh so That's high. Remember when I said the the circle was was closing? Mm Mm-hmm. So, her flying career came to an end the same way many women's dream comes to the end. Back then and nowadays, too. A man basically told her she couldn't do it anymore. And that man was the one who had supported her in the beginning. Oh, the motorcycle man. Yes. Oh, no. So, Charlie, her husband... And this is fucked up. Like, this is like the gravitas of this. I wrote this like a few days ago. Mm. And the gravitas of this is absolutely ridiculous. So he had had enough.
1: Mm -hmm. He
0: was like, nope. He was getting shown up. Yeah, I don't want you flying anymore. And she was a world record setter. She was doing all these amazing things. Yeah, she she, she was cresting them. So, (laughs) Ruth Law awoke one morning in 1922 and read in the newspaper that she had apparently retired from flying. What? Just in the newspaper? It was in the newspaper. Oh, fuck. It was in all the major newspapers, because she was famous. Yeah, well, everyone would know who she was. And her husband had wrote her resignation and Uh, sent it. Shady. Like, what the fuck, Charles? Yeah. Like, honestly, I know... You might have thought you were doing this out of love. Yeah, you're doing her a favor, but yeah, screw you, man. Yeah. Y- no. Yeah. Just yeah. no. No. No, man. Don't do that. <laughs> Imagine reading your own retirement in the newspaper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. So um, sadly, uh, she obeyed her husband's wishes. And even though Bummer. she clearly loved flying, mm-hmm. uh, she never flew she never, again. Uh, even, she even took a train to the Smithsonian Museum in like 1970. That's... She didn't even fly a plane? No, she didn't even, like... Like, get, get on a plane. She That's didn't I mean. get on a plane. So I mean. That's so... That sucks. It was really broken, though. Yeah. In broken 1932, she had a nervous breakdown that she Jeez. attributed to not flying. Holy... Uh, but she still never... Charles, flew. man! Yep. Yeah, but she did live to an old age and died in 1970. Okay. So, so Ruth Law was a badass... Who may have pulled one of the best practical jokes of all time, yeah, uh, jeez, like yeah, made a man think he was dead <laughs> <laughs> it's no, a great matter, prank. no matter if I know it's... the best pranks are ones where you think you die <laughs> <laughs> where you definitely are on <laughs> yeah. the ground feeling your own yeah. chest pulp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so help me fellas, help me, lads, no matter if, if it is named after her or not, and this is where the legend comes in, as well. There's lots of legend stuff yeah. here. <laughs> Legends. Yeah. name will live on in the world of baseball as long as there's a Grapefruit League. Yeah, that—that's what they named it after. Legend says, like, it's not like about just the fact that grapefruit—grapefruits are uh, commonly grown in uh, Florida. Depends who you ask. Okay. That's what the legend's all, all right, about. well, I know what story I'm going to adopt from now on. <laughs> Fuck the trees. <laughs> Do you know Casey Stangle <laughs> hired Casey the Stangle. third woman to fly ever? <laughs> to Probably drop a to... on his yeah. coach? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he thought he was dead? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the main thing to take away from it. Well, it's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous and absolutely one of the best stories in baseball history. So I'm so happy... Yeah, we, we haven't had very... It. I think that's our first prank story. I think... Well, we had the harmonica incident. Yeah, right but back. that wasn't really a prank. That, wasn't that was, a, was just... Yeah, you know. but it was... Uh, I mean, I, it was kind of Mickey Mantle pranking at the one part where he was telling Linz to play it louder after the yogi yelled at him, but... <laughs> either either way, yeah. it was... This was, was something, as soon as I, I looked through my list and I was thinking, I'm, it's like something that I can do... Uh, that I know is an awesome story, and mm-hmm. I have so many things written down in story ideas that, you know, you have to like re-research. Where, why did I write this down? Mm-hmm. And as soon as I looked this one up, I was like, done. This one's fun. Yeah, yeah. We're doing this. There was enough content out there that I could find several sources, and. Yeah. and uh, didn't it require? Corroborate everything. Didn't re- yeah? Didn't require a ton of re- and the legend stuff of it is is just fun, right? Yeah, I mean well, that like really say, happened. That's the story that I'm gonna adopt oh, yeah. do. You know why it's called Grapefruit League? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Ruth Law. Everybody, yeah. uh, technically Ruth Law Oliver. That was her husband's name. We right. don't like right. her husband. No, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ruth Bancroft Law. Yeah. Gentlemen, if you're married, do not send your wife's resignation letter in without her permission. Yeah, bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. Uh, Till next time. Follow us on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Doing Baseball and at Doing Dot Baseball on Instagram. Give us a review. Give us a like. Find us uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that other stuff. And, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, I'm Sean and I'm Eds, and we were doing the baseball. Okay, bye.